Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Talk a little bit about baptism this morning. <coughs> Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou uh, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be not so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, we've been teaching on Wednesday night, Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled the law, right? He, uh, he fulfilled the Old Testament law. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We see here as Jesus is being baptized, as He's being plunged into the water. Uh, He went down into the water. We see Him being our example, right? The Bible clearly teaches that those who have believed in Jesus Christ for their salvation, uh, that means, by definition, they have been born of the Spirit, right? They have been baptized. This is spiritually speaking now. They have been baptized into Christ. They have been baptized into the body of Christ or the church, right? That they would then follow Christ Jesus in believers' baptism. Him, Christ, being our examples. Just as Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection, because He rose from the dead, we have that hope. He being our example of an outward testimony of our relationship and and our faith and trust in Christ through believers' baptism. Now we know that Jesus Christ and His baptism, He was not doing it as a picture of cleansing because the Bible tells us that Christ was in all points tempted yet without sin, but He was doing it because He was born of the Spirit. Jesus Christ was born of the Spirit some 30 years before. And the Bible tells us that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 34 and 35. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of, uh, born of thee shall be called... The Son of God. Jesus Christ, born of the Spirit, 
right? And those who follow after, who have been born of the Spirit, born again, would follow Him in believer's baptism. This is uh, submission unto the Father. Jesus Christ here showed His submission unto the Father, going down into the muddy Jordan. I think back in, in the book of Kings where uh, Naaman, that Syrian general, who in his anger and in his pride was kind of like, I'm too good for these muddy waters of Jordan. In the rivers of Damascus, better for me, but not for the creator of the universe. He had no problem. The creator of the universe had no problem being obedient unto the Father and humbling himself and going down into that muddy river to show us an example. Jesus Christ. He humbled Himself, right? Being obedient unto the Father. The, Jesus Christ made Himself of no reputation. There is a point of this baptism, how glorious and wonderful it is. There is a little bit of it that is humbling. Here we are. There will be three folks today that goes up into that muddy pond, right? And they're going to humble themselves in believer's baptism Amen. before Jesus Christ. Now, baptism is a like figure. Right? I, th- I think we know this, but just got to always be clear. It does not save us. Right, baptism yeah. does not save us in the sense of the water baptism. Being baptized into Christ by the Spirit, that's salvation. right? So the baptism that we'll partake of today is a picture and type, a like figure. It is an answer in good conscience toward God. That's what Peter said. It is an answer in good conscience toward God which shows our spiritual birth, and our spiritual baptism when we were saved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 12, For as the body is one, talking about Christ, and, and hath many members, and all members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And so it shows, this like, this like figure shows our being baptized, put into Christ. We are now one with Christ because of salvation, Right? Then this like figure also shows our cleansing of sin. Salvation cleanses us from our sin. That's what Titus uh, chapter 3 and verse 5 says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So it shows our cleansing as we are baptized. It also shows our hope for the resurrection, right? Uh, that as we go down into the water, picturing death, right? That we have the hope and we believe that we are going to come up right. with eternal life, right? That's just, that, that going down is just being planted. It's, you know, we're coming up, right? And we have that hope of that. We also have the that picture of the, the old man being crucified right now now you have two natures see because in salvation he didn't he didn't get he didn't clean up the old nature he gave you a whole new nature born again and it shows that like Paul said I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and so that baptism shows that we see 
The Father here. During Christ's baptism, Jesus' baptism, the Father showing His approval. His anointing. Jesus did this publicly. Now as we study baptism throughout the Scripture, uh, publicly can mean in front of large groups of people, and it can be in front of two or three. I mean, it could be, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, right? In my name, there am I in the midst. So publicly, can, there's, there's a wide uh, a variance there of publicly. But the Bible does say in Luke chapter 12 and verse 8 and 9, here's why this is important. Jesus said, uh, Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. You know what baptism is? When, uh, when Sean and Hannah and Diana go down into the water today and they are baptized, they're showing some of the things that I just covered. But you know what else they're saying uh, by doing this? Is I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have decided, I am making a decision. I have decided publicly, whoever's here, you take the pictures, film it, whatever you want to do. I am saying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I am not ashamed of that. It's saying to the other brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, listen, I'm one of you. I'm part of the body of Christ. That's what baptism is. It's saying, I'm not ashamed to be numbered with God's people uh, like Moses wasn't. The Bible says, I want to read that again, Luke 12, 8 and 9. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be not be denied before the angels of God. When we hear testimonies of salvation and testimonies of folks' lives being changed, conversion. Uh, baptism, I, I love those testimonies. I, I like hearing those testimonies uh, of folks uh, choosing to follow Christ, choosing to give their life to Christ, and, and, and how it becomes real, that relationship and that walk with the Lord um, becomes real. One of, the, one of my favorite conversion stories, one of my favorite salvation stories in all of the Bible is the story of Saul of Tarsus. I mean, that's just the, that's like the, you know, wow, what a changed man. His salvation and redemption as he was breathing out threatenings and slaughter, right? Going to Damascus to find any of this way. I mean, he's on his way. He's going there to wreak havoc. He's going there to cause trouble. He's going there to haul people off into prison and uh, torture and all those sort of things. But on his way, unexpectedly, he met the light of the world. I mean the light of the world. Jesus Christ said to him, why are you persecuting me? What is going on? Knocked old Saul off his high horse, didn't it? Put his face in the dirt and he says, you know, Lord, what will you have me to do? Here, Paul, the Saul of Tarsus, becoming Paul the Apostle, put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and believes. Turn to Acts chapter 9. I want to read a verse from there. Acts chapter 9. He is on his way to Damascus to torture, to persecute these Christians, all these folks there, Damascus. And on his way, he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Heart is changed. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes. This is Saul of Tarsus. He, he's on his way to Damascus, receives Christ, and then within three days, he's, he's, he's with the believers <laughs> at Damascus. He's fellowshipping with them. In verse 18, immediately they fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received the sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, just stop and think about it. You read that thing. This guy was on his way down there to, to persecute the church. He was on his way down there unexpectedly. He never, if you would have told him, listen, Saul, I know you're leaving here with all kinds of authority from the high priest to persecute the church, but you're going to meet Jesus on your way, and by the time you get down there, you're going to end up in the middle of a fellowship with believers, and you're going to accept, you're going to follow Jesus Christ and believers' baptism in the fellowship of the church. He'd say, you're crazy. But that's exactly what happened. I think it's awesome when you see God just change someone's lives and then them just turn completely and begin to say, I want to obey God. I want to follow God. If He's called me to to publicly announce that I am following Him and showing Him by baptism, so be it. Let me do it. Sign me up. Where do I do it, right? That was was Paul. That was Saul of Tarsus. Look with me in Acts. Just flip the one page back to Acts chapter 8. Acts, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. We're going to look just for a second at a story uh, many would be familiar with. Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. <coughs> his salvation, his conversion, his baptism. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise! And go down to the south unto the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had a charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit said unto Philip, "Go near and join thyself to this chariot." And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" And he said, "How can I accept?" some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. As I read this story, I I am encouraged, I am uh, helped by the the willingness of Philip to be spirit-led. As Christians, as a church, as 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 a body of Christ, this should be our desire that we are spirit-led, spirit-filled Christians. That we are looking for God to speak to us, to show us who to help, who to witness to, who to talk to, who to, who to, who to give a word of encouragement, who to tell the Gospel to. Listen, Philip was willing to go. The Bible says that he, he ran to meet him. Right? He was willing to speak. 
and you know, open eventually in witnessing and sharing the good news of Christ, uh, we have to open our mouths eventually, right? And Philip was willing to open his mouth and begin this conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch. He was free to do that. What I mean by that is we we have to allow the Lord Jesus Christ freedom in our life so that we can serve Him. I'm convinced, I am convinced that so many believers, and I'm preaching to myself at this time, so don't, but so many believers are so bound up with worldly things and our own issues and our own problems that the Holy Spirit can't speak to us. We could spend our day walking past the Ethiopian eunuch day after day after day who's seeking for the Lord and our ears are so shut off to the Holy Spirit's prompting, the Holy Spirit's leading. Like, what in the world are we doing here? If our great commission is to preach the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then our ears ought to be in tune for that, right? Our heart ought to be sensitive to that. I'm telling you, we as a church, if we are going to be the light that He's called us to be, we have to be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And Philip here is a prime example of this. He was seeking and looking for this opportunity to be able to pray for someone. To be able to, you know, be, be aware of who needs salvation maybe. Who we're praying for. There may be people in our own houses, in our own homes that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in our own workplaces, in our own environments, in our neighborhoods, our friendship. We have to be sensitive to this. The anxieties and our own issues sometimes overwhelm us to where we don't even see the loss. I'm telling us as a church, we need men and women that have a heart sensitive to the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit of God to be able to go when He says go and to be able to speak when He says speak. And that, for Christians, should not be strange. That we are being led by God's Spirit. Here we see a man that's seeking. The Ethiopian eunuch was seeking. Think about this. I know I read just over it quickly, but he came all the way to Jerusalem to worship. He must have been a God-fearing man. I mean, why else would he do that? He came there to worship in Jerusalem. He must have heard. He must have known about God. Uh, He must have been seeking God. And it's interesting that he comes all the way to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way home, and he still has questions. He came to Jerusalem seeking God, and he went and worshipped, assuming at the temple, right? And he went away what? Empty. He went there and said, I didn't find any answers. I went to Jerusalem seeking God. And and at the time they had been teaching probably uh, a mixture of their own own traditions in the Old Testament. And there was all the letter of the law, but no spirit. And here in the book of Acts we see that God's changing here from the Old Testament now to the New Testament after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and things had changed. God knew this man's heart. God knew this man's heart. He came all the way to Jerusalem seeking God. And although he may have been looking in all the wrong places, he was looking in religion to find God. 
God looked down and said, I know your heart. And you're looking for me. And because you're looking for me, you will find me. I, 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 I can say with confidence of the Holy, the Holy Scripture that if you will seek, you will find if you're seeking after God, if your heart is for God, you can be looking in all the wrong places, but you will still find Him. Because if your heart is seeking for God, He will send a man. He'll send a person. He'll bring someone to you to give you the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God knew His heart. He said, I'll send a man. Some man. He said, unless some man guide me. I think this is an important part of this whole thing is God uses people. He uses people. We're not just an island to ourselves and all these sort of... No. God says, there's a man. And that's another just important part. He's out there in the desert. And God went way out of His way for one person. Way out of His way for one person. I'm getting ahead of myself, but Philip is in the middle of a revival. If you read the passage earlier, just the, the verses before... Philip is in the middle of a revival in Samaria where the whole city is receiving Christ and coming to know Christ. It's going great. And in the middle of that, in the middle of what looks like great progress and great things happening, God says, Philip, I'm sending you to the desert because there's a man, one man, one person. God will, go, God will move heaven and earth for that one person and seeking Him. He will. He will go way out of His way for one person seeking God. He says... Behold a man. You see that? Verse 27. He says, uh, uh, Behold a man. This Ethiopian. He said, I'll go way out of my way just for this one person. You may say, Well, if God's telling me to talk to someone or, or witness to someone, I don't, I don't know what to say. Right? I don't know how to start the conversation. I, maybe there is someone that the Holy Spirit's prompted me to talk to, but I don't know how to... Begin this conversation. Philip gives us a pretty pretty good idea of, uh, of a help here when he just simply asks a question. Many times, just by asking a simple question, a non-confrontational, uh, non-abrasive question, right? You can find out if there's an open door. He goes up to the man and he says, uh, "Understand this, thou what thou readest." Uh, hey, hey, you ever read the Bible, right? Hey. What do you think of the what do you think of the Bible? You read you know, you think have you heard of Jesus Christ? I'm just saying, just a question to throw out there to test the waters to see if the person is wide open to hear the gospel or not, right? And he says, Understandest thou what thou readest. And then he listens. He finds out what the person's question is. Many times there's people that are seeking God, but they're just looking to there's a one or two little hurdles, a couple questions that they need to uh, activate their faith. In, right? And he says, uh, he listens to what this man's question is. Look at verse 32. He says, The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb, dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For this, his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture 
and preached unto him Jesus. (laughs) And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, what? Rejoicing. His question was simple. I don't understand the Scripture here. Who is the Scripture talking about, right? I understand that this is significant. I'm stuck on this passage here in Isaiah. I realize that I should know there's something here, something deeper, right? But who is the prophet prophesying about? And can you imagine? I mean, I'm just telling you right now. Can you imagine? We're, we are just so close to Jesus Christ having just fulfilled that prophecy. I'm telling you that the, if Philip didn't get chills, I don't know what happened. When he asked him that question, to be able to give him such good news, to be able to answer that question with such good news, oh, let me tell you, he said, let me tell you who that prophet was prophesying about. He was prophesying about the Lamb of God that was to come to take away the sin of the world. And he said, you never believe it. I can't believe you haven't even heard, even though you're from from Ethiopia and you just been to Jerusalem, that man was born of a virgin. He said he lived a sinless life. You should have seen the miracles that he did. He said the lame, I'm sure this is what he said, the, the lame began to walk and the lepers were cleansed. He said as the eyes of the blind were, were made whole. He said all these sort of things happened while Jesus Christ was here. But then there was a false trial. And the Pharisees and the high priests and all of them brought him together and they crucified him. And he must have, Philip must have told him as he, the sheep going before the slaughter, how he opened not his mouth. He said that literally was fulfilled. We saw it. It just happened. And he hung on the cross and he was crucified. And he must have told the Ethiopian eunuch about his crucifixion. Then he must have told him about how he came down off the cross and was buried and it felt like all hope was lost. The darkest time in human history. He must have told him about the disciples and how they felt and the fear and the just emptiness that they had. And then he must have told him about that Sunday morning early before the sun arose. The sun did rise. He must have told him that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, defeating death. He must have told them that then after that he lived, he was here on the earth and walked with us and talked with us and taught us. Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, he was here. And then he must have told them how Jesus promised that he was going to ascend into heaven and he was going to send the Holy Spirit. This is what you say, what did Philip preach to the Ethiopian eunuch when he asked them that one little question? Who is Isaiah talking about? He must have said he promised us that when he'd leave, that he was going to send a comforter. The Holy Spirit and that Comforter was going to come into our heart and He was going to stay with us and never leave us or forsake us. He was going to seal us to the day of redemption, that Holy Spirit of God. And He said, and it happened. 
He must have been just jumping out of his skin there in that chariot talking to the Ethiopian eunuch. He said, it happened. I'm Pentecost. It happened. The Holy Spirit came and and, and He filled us. And now, he says, and now I just left the city in Samaria and everyone, everyone that believed on Jesus Christ, everyone was filled with that same Spirit. I just saw it. He said, it's happening all over. He preached unto him, Jesus. What good news that the Philip had to say. Listen, God, we have that same story. We can tell the same story. We can tell the world that same message. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, He said, Mark, go into all the world and what? Preach the Gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He said in Matthew before He went, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here we see it already unfolding. An Ethiopian getting led to Christ by this Jewish man. God's work is being done. The Gospel. This is the Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. That is the antidote, we said uh, just Wednesday night. That is the antidote, the Gospel for sin. He asks a question here, though, that I would say that a lot of folks would ask. Maybe some are even asking here this morning. What hinders me? What hinders me? He says, what's stopping me? Phil? I, man, as he told that message, he said, yeah, I want all that you just said. I want that. I want that. What's stopping me from getting it? What's stopping me, Philip, from being baptized? What's hindering me from being baptized? I would say this morning that there's a lot of people out there that are hindered. There's something just hindering them from just believing Christ. I've even seen that struggle in individuals' lives when they're so close to receiving Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but there's like an inner struggle that goes on and there's just something hindering them from just believing by faith in Christ and just being totally set free. There's just something that hinders them. I would say here this morning, if there's someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there is nothing in this world worth hindering you from salvation. There is nothing in this world that should hinder us from receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. There's things though that even people that have us as believers, when we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's things that hinder us from obedience. We talked about baptism being uh, that step of obedience to Christ. There's things that hinder people from obeying Christ. From taking that, they go so far in their walk and relationship with Christ, but then they kind of hit a wall. And they're just like, they have excuses. This is why I won't. This is why I can't. This is why I won't go that much further. There's just something hindering. I would say this morning, if there's something hindering you from the steps of obedience that Christ is calling you to for your walk, relationship, and fellowship, for your Christian growth, if there's something hindering you from getting to Christ, get it out of the way. Don't allow these things to hinder us. Sometimes one of the big ones that hinder is unbelief. Unbelief will hinder us in our Christian growth, in our walk with Christ. Unbelief will lead to all kinds of terrible things, as fear and doubt, and just sin will hinder us. 
Pride will hinder us. That's a big one. Pride will hinder us. Sometimes other people will hinder us. There's reasons why we won't go farther because of so-and-so or somebody else in our lives. And so we allow other people. I'm just saying there's nothing in the world worth allowing, hindering you from accepting Christ as your Savior and then going all the way with Christ. What was Philip's answer to the Ethiopian eunuch when he says, what's hindering me? He said, if thou believest with all thine heart. That's an important fact that the Bible teaches throughout the Scripture in the New Testament that belief or salvation comes before baptism. Baptism is an evidence of what has happened. Your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can do it that moment the Ethiopian did. You can do it through three days later like Paul did. Or you can do it a long time later. Right? But the thing is, is do it. Be obedient. Follow Christ in these things to show that you are saved. He's baptized. And He went away rejoicing. There is a principle here throughout the Scripture is that baptism or obedience, then joy. Obedience, then peace. We as Christians have to be obedient to Jesus Christ. As the Spirit inside of us is prompting us, as He's leading us in a walk with Him, in a relationship with Him, listen, as believers, we have to be obedient to Christ. What's He telling us to do? What's this, what, what is hindering us in our Christian life right now that has stopped our growth, that has stopped our walk with Christ? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's never been a time in your life, maybe you've been religious, maybe you've been in church, maybe you've always known that there was a God, but there was never a time when you accepted Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for your sin. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin and become Lord of your life and to know that you put your faith and trust in Him. At the end of this service, there'll be a time for you to do that. And I would tell you right now, don't let anything hinder you from that. Amen. For believers, we, we have this example of Philip. We want to be led. We don't want things to be hindering us from us being used of God. The people around us need a light. And God has chosen us to be the light. He puts that light inside of us. As we have this baptism in just a few minutes, we'll be putting under, we'll be immersion. This is an immersion baptism where you go underwater, below the surface, plunging into it. Right? Being plunged into it. And I want to leave us with this thought. You know, one of the definitions of that immersion would be, you know, being plunged into or being deeply engaged. Just immerse yourself in it. Christian, here's the thought I want to leave you with. The way of joy, the way of rejoicing is not being ankle deep Christians. Just kind of testing the waters out, coming out, just, you know... Christian on Sunday morning. It's not waist deep Christianity. I think the only way to live this life is like Philip. And it's just like going and like the Ethiopian eunuch. Like, let's get this thing done, right? I'm 
going all the way in. And I'm not talking about baptism now. I'm just talking about our spirit and attitude of our life and our walk with Christ. We're not using Jesus Christ as an insurance policy. No, sir. He is Lord of our life. I'm going all the way in. Surrender to Him. Whatever He has for me, that's what I want to do. That's the way I want to go. I want to be all in for Christ. All in Christians. Saying, Lord, what will You have me to do? That's what Paul said. Lord, what will You have me to do? I'm going to have heads bowed and eyes closed just for a second. We're going to pray, but if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never received Christ, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. But maybe you would uh, pray with me a prayer like this. Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I'm asking You to uh, forgive me of my sin. and God, come into my heart and save my soul. God, I want You to be Lord of my life. I'm putting my faith and trust in You with all my heart. God, please save me. Thank You for this salvation. No one looking around, and I won't call you, but if you prayed that prayer so I can pray for you, I won't call you out. But just slip your hand up real quick. I see that hand. Anyone else? Receive Christ. Amen. For Christians, listen, what's hindering us? Are we having these experiences like Philip where we're running into people that are seeking God? If we're not, it's not because there's a lack of people seeking. It's not because there's a lack of people needing. Maybe it's because our hearts are not listening. Our hearts are not sensitive to that prompting of God's Spirit. Listen, if we're Christians and we don't have a burden for some folks to come to know Christ, then maybe our hearts are getting hard. There should be a couple people on our hearts and minds that we're praying about that they would receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, we thank You so much for this morning. God, we thank You for this time to just worship You. Lord, we feel Your presence here this morning. and God, we just thank You for the one that received You. And Lord, just, just, just blessed in a wonderful way. Thank You for those that have chosen to follow You in Believer's Baptism today. Lord, we just pray that You bless all of the Spirit of the rest of the day in our fellowship together, the baptism and, and the fellowship and food. Lord, we love You, God. You're wonderful to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.